Amen. Good morning, everybody. God bless you. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you on this morning. Thank God for the opportunity to, to worship with you on today. I had the privilege of listening to some of your previous sermons um, as I set out to prepare my heart to try to understand God's will for this morning. And I was thrilled to learn that you all have just spent approximately six months in the book of Acts. Um, it was very encouraging to me. I, I, I was encouraged to hear some of the wrestling going on concerning um, the book of Acts. I was encouraged because um, we live in a day and time when many would much rather erase the book of Acts. Um, admittedly, the book of Acts presents some challenges to us in our modern society. So I was blessed to hear the wrestling going on. So as I set out to try to understand God's will for this morning, I, I, I'm stuck in this place. And I have been almost this time every year, I find myself stuck in this place wrestling with one particular question. And that question is, what would Jesus have been doing around about this time some 2,000 years ago? It's a question that I ask my congregation, and we begin at Resurrection Sunday. We begin during Holy Week. We know that the major tenets of our faith are the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But I, I often wonder if we just harry through that without much musing, without much meditation, without much thinking. So during Holy Week, I'll ask our congregation, what would Jesus have been doing around about this time? We know he died on a cross. But those few days in between his death and his resurrection, what would Jesus have been doing? It's a question that we wrestle with. And we aim to find answers from the scriptures. We learn that the Bible says that Jesus went and he preached to spirits in prison. He descended to the lower parts of the earth. We learn that he judged the God of this world, Satan. We learn that he took the keys of authority from Satan. We learn that in his resurrection, the Bible says that he disarmed principalities and powers. These are thoughts that we don't tend to slow down and think about. So every year around about this time, I, I find myself pondering and, and wondering what would Jesus have been doing around about this time some 2,000 years ago. And in all of my years, I've come to learn that here in the West, we tend to gear up for Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is the climatical point on our calendar. Many refer to it as the Super Bowl of the church. 
We look forward to it. We, we plan out Christmas plays and, and we all kind of planning going to Resurrection Sunday. But then I find that after Resurrection Sunday's over, many of us pack up and we get ready for vacation. We get ready for summer. As if Resurrection Sunday was the end of a story. So several years ago, I began to be burdened with weight to wonder what happened next. So this morning I ask you, what would Jesus have been doing around about this time some 2,000 years ago? The Bible is very clear in the book of Acts, chapter 1. It says in verse 1, The former account I make, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of, of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The Bible is very clear that after the resurrection of Jesus, he told Mary not to cling to him because he haven't yet ascended to the Father. He said, but go and tell my disciples that I'm going to ascend to the Father and I'll meet them in Galilee. The book of Hebrews revealed that after he sent Mary away, he ascended into heaven to offer his blood in the tabernacle made without hands, meaning not of this creation. He offered his blood without spot. For the forgiveness of our sins. His work wasn't done at the resurrection. He still needed to ascend to offer his blood. Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. His sacrifice, his blood satisfied the wrath of God. That business had to be taken care of. But then... After taking care of business in heaven, he will return and meet his followers in Galilee. Later that evening, after the resurrection, he appeared to his disciples. And for the next 40 days, he would appear to them and give them infallible proof, undeniable proof, irrefutable proof. He was alive. For 40 days, he would show up and have conversation. If you'll remember, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, he met two men on the road to Emmaus. And as he approached them, 
They were very sorrowful. And Jesus asked them, why are you so sorrowful? They said, have you not heard? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Did you not hear that, that, that Jesus was crucified and, and we were hoping that it was he who would redeem us? Jesus walked a little further with them and, and said, ought not these things to have happened? Did not the prophets speak of these things? And Jesus would go further. He would go to their boat and, and he began to open the scriptures to them. He began to reveal to them all the things that pertain to him. And the Bible says their hearts burned within them. And when they recognized him, he disappeared out of their sight. For 40 days, Jesus would appear to his followers and give them infallible proof that he was alive. I wonder, why was that so necessary? Can you imagine the emotion of the day? There were all kind of miraculous occurrences. There was an earthquake when he was crucified and resurrected. I mean, the Bible says that many righteous men arose from their graves and walked through the city. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the sorrow of his mother Mary and his followers? Their hopes were dashed. Their hopes were deflated. And all of a sudden, there's a commotion that he's alive. Can you imagine the excitement the enthusiasm, the awe, the amazement. For 40 days, he would appear and give them infallible proof. At one time, he told them, here, stick your fingers in the holes of my hand. Thrust your hand in my side. It is I. For 40 days, Jesus needed to convince them that the gospel was real. Why? Because he understood that in not so many days, they would experience some of the greatest atrocities known to human history. They would become public enemy number one. They would be persecuted. They would be ostracized and cast aside. They would be thrown in coliseums and torn in half by vicious and ferocious animals. He knew what awaited them. He knew that their faith was going to be tested and they needed something greater than their circumstances. They needed something authentic, something they could base and stake their lives on. And if you study history, you'll learn that the early church went through hell on earth. But it was the proof that he gave them that helped them to stand, that helped them to look death, persecution, fire, torment in the face and not be moved in their faith. For 40 days, Jesus gave them infallible proof that he was alive. Around about this time, some 2,000 years ago, it would have been important, it would have been a priority of Jesus to appear to his followers to give them infallible proof. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says that he appeared to Cephas. And then he appeared to James. And then he appeared to 500, over 500 disciples at one time. And then the Apostle Paul said he appeared even to him as one born out of season. Acts is very clear that for 40 days, he would give them infallible proof that he was alive. But then it says something else. It says he also, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days, the Bible's very specific. Jesus didn't talk about Jewish history. He didn't talk about the patriarchs of old. He didn't merely talk about the things of political uh, um, affairs. Jesus talked about things pertaining to the kingdom of God for 40 days. He would cause their hearts to burn as he would open the scriptures, as he would disclose this revelation. You'll remember that Jesus in his earthly ministry, he told his disciples in John chapter 16, he said that there's many things that I want to tell you, but I can't. You, you can't handle it, right? It, it's so much I want to give. It's so much I want to tell you. You can't handle it right now. He said, but after the Holy Spirit has come, he'll tell you all things. Glory to God. Jesus wanted to tell them so much before his crucifixion, but he couldn't. But after he rose again, after he ascended to heaven, and offer his blood in the tabernacle on the mercy seat. He returned. He began to give them infallible proof that he was alive. And he began to teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You'll remember in John chapter 21, after the resurrection, after they believed that he was risen again, Jesus would breathe on them and say, receive the Holy Spirit. You'll remember it's the same thing that God did to Adam. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth, but he wasn't alive until God breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. You'll remember the same thing happened in the book of Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. God told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones and he did. The bones came together, the sinew came together, but the, the army was not alive until he prophesied to the wind, the breath, to enter them. And when the breath entered them, they became living souls. After Jesus rose again, after he ascended to heaven to offer his blood without spot, he returned and he appeared to his disciples. And when they believed, According to John's gospel account, 
he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe it was at that time that they were born again. It was at that time that they came alive. It was at that time that they received the capacity to understand the things that they could not understand before. Remember, Jesus desired to tell them things in his earthly ministry, but he couldn't because they couldn't handle it. But now for 40 days, he's able to teach them what he could not before because now they were born again. They now had the capacity to understand the kingdom of God. There are some things that we cannot understand merely with our human intellect. There are some things that our natural uh, cap capacities just doesn't do it. There are some things that supersede our, our IQ. There are some things that we just have to lay down our credentials and realize that in and of ourselves, we are insufficient. The Bible says that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. It says they're foolish to him. They're spiritually, there are some things that we cannot understand through much study. There are some things, as Jesus told Peter, that flesh and blood has to reveal to us. There are some things that flesh and blood just can't reveal to us. Jesus asked us, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Some things cannot be understood through our natural human abilities. But now that Jesus has risen again and breathed on his followers and told them to receive the Holy Spirit, they now, have the Holy Spirit in them, and they now have the capacity to understand what they could not before. And therefore, Jesus will go on for the next 40 days teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Around about this time, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus would have been teaching his followers, about the kingdom of God. And if you'll turn real quickly, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 24. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 27, it says, And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is what he was doing for 40 days. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. 
And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? There are some things that the scriptures has to be open to us. The Bible goes further. And it says in verse 44, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. For 40 days, this is what Jesus was doing. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God. Their hearts were burning. Can you imagine the enthusiasm? They were understanding things that they never understood before. And you know that it was profound because of the drastic results it had. They went from denying Christ to being scattered and afraid at his crucifixion to hiding for fear of the Jews. They went from that to standing boldly before multitudes preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that wasn't just a, a, a small shift in behavior. The 40 days that Jesus was spent with his followers were profound. Were life-altering. I mean, these people, you just read and studied the book of Acts. These people were drastically different. What is it about this kingdom that Jesus was preaching? What is it about the kingdom of God that drastically impacted them? What is it? What is this kingdom of God? Why was it so necessary? Why was it so important? Why was this the message that Jesus had to get over to them? has a lot to say about the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 13, speaking about the kingdom of God, the Bible says in verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is it about the kingdom of God that's so precious, that's so valuable, that Jesus can wait to get back to earth to reveal to his disciples? What is it about the kingdom of God that's so necessary and profound and, and potent? And if that wasn't enough, again, Jesus says in Matthew 13, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like 
a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is so profound that when one found it and, and understood its value, he was willing to go and sell everything that he had to give his life for it. Is that not what happened in the book of Acts? After the day of Pentecost, did not these people start doing strange things? They started selling their homes and their lands, and they started living for a greater ideal, a greater value, a greater priority, a greater kingdom. That 40-day experience with Jesus radically transformed these folks. So much so that the Bible says that they turned the world upside down. Forty days, Jesus would give them infallible proof that he was alive. For 40 days, Jesus would teach them things pertaining to the kingdom. Beloved, I'm here this morning to encourage you. Keep wrestling through the book of Acts. Keep wrestling over the scriptures. Don't pack up too soon because the resurrection is over. There's so much more. But don't pack up too soon. Don't go on vacation yet. There's more available to the church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gives you and I the capacity to understand the kingdom of God. That Holy Spirit gives you and I the capacity to understand spiritual things. Do you not know that God's idea of the church is drastically different than what we see today? I mean drastically different. God's idea was not to have merely cute programs and, and, and that, that, that has its place. But God's idea was to call a people out of darkness into the light. To be a peculiar people, a special people, a unique people. God's idea was that his people would be a conduit from heaven to earth. God's idea was that he would have a people in whom he could work in and out of. The moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. And according to John's Gospel, chapter 4, the Holy Spirit comes in us, springing up into a fountain, Springing up into everlasting life, he becomes in us. He worked as a fountain to work eternal life in us. 
As born-again believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit is working eternal life in us. And like Jesus in his childhood, we're able to grow in spirit. We're able to grow in stature. We're able to grow in wisdom. We're able to grow in favor. We're able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness. The Holy Spirit comes and works eternal life in us. We're able to understand spiritual things. But like Jesus and the apostles, there's more. Not only does he want to work in us, but he want to work through us. Later on in John's Gospel in chapter 7, Jesus would tell the people at the feast that if you drink the water that I shall give, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Thank God if he's working in us. Thank God if we're born again and we have eternal life. But God's desire is also to work through us. That that living water, the power of God will flow out of us. And that's why Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem. He said, because after you've received the promise from the Father... You shall be endued with power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. God want to work through us. Jesus knew that his disciples were going up against the world, not just merely made of men and women. But they were going up against a world that were made up of principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And it would take much more than a human logic to accomplish the task. The Apostle Paul said that my preaching and my speech was not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and power. For 40 days, Jesus would teach them about the power of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the, the authority of God. It's the place where God's authority is established. His rule is established. His dominion is established. At one point, Jesus was accused of casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus would later retort, how can Satan cast out Satan? A house divided against itself will not stand. He said, but if I cast out demons by the thing of God, he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, the kingdom of God was being established. The dominion of God, the rule of God, the will of God was being established. For 40 days, Jesus would teach these folk 
about the kingdom of God, about the rule of God, about how to walk in and operate and access the power of God to do the work of God and the will of God for 40 days. That was the kind of teaching they got. For 40 days, Jesus would emphasize to these folk that they needed the Holy Spirit. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you read through the book of Acts, particularly the first chapters, you see that everything they did wasn't because of the schools they went to. Everything they did, it wasn't because of the families that they came from. Everything they did, it wasn't because of the resources and the finances they had. But everything they did, everything they accomplished was because of the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, don't pack up too soon. Don't go on vacation yet. Don't, don't, don't shut it down yet. The resurrection is not the end of the story. There's more to the story. There's more to be done. There's more to believe for. That we have the capacity to do more and receive more. God desired not that we do it in our strength. But he's made a promise, not just to the apostles, but to their children and to as many who will believe through them. We are in the dispensation of the church. We are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the best era. We are living in the best of times. The prophets, they, they prophesied about this generation, but didn't know what they were prophesying about. They didn't understand it. The Bible even said that angels desire to look into these things. And it's available to us. It's available to us. If I was the enemy of the church, I would strategize. And I would try to cut the church off by his legs and make it impotent. If I was the enemy of the church, I would aim to strip it of his power. I would aim to strip it of his authority. If I was an enemy of the church, I would have it to rely on its own ability, its own human power and ingenuity. If I was an enemy of the church, I would cause it to be ignorant of the kingdom of God. I would cause it to be ignorant of everything that Jesus taught them in that 40 days of his return. If I was the enemy of the church, I would tell them, have a good Easter service and an Easter play. Pack it up and go on vacation. Because that's it. All we got to look forward to is heaven and struggling the rest of our lives trying to be good and trying to convince people that this historic teaching is real. With all this humanism and all this education out here, good luck. How's that working for us? We need the power of God. 
So much so that Jesus will spend 40 days teaching about the kingdom of God. I encourage you, like I encourage our folks, let's continue to believe the gospel. Let's believe the work that's written in the book. It's not strange to believe and wait on God. There's nothing wrong with waiting. We don't have to conjure anything up. We don't have to be fictitious in our We don't have to play that game. There's nothing wrong with waiting. He told them to wait in Jerusalem. For 10 days, they waited. Waiting is not nothing strange for the people of God. Abram waited about 25 years to receive the promise. There's nothing wrong with waiting. Wait in faith. Believe the promise of God. We're in a world that need us, but they need us operating according to biblical Christianity. The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's desire is that he will establish his kingdom through his church, that as we do the work of God, his power and dominion will be present. When I begin to understand the kingdom of God in closing, I begin to read scriptures totally different. Scriptures like Matthew 6, 33, that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I just see it so differently now. Once upon a time, I thought that merely was talking about heaven. Seek ye first. He said, don't be worried about what you're going to eat and drink. Don't be worried about this life. Seek first the kingdom of God. I begin to read scriptures like, you, you remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus? When he said, unless a man is born again, in John 3, verse 3, he said he cannot see the kingdom of God. I used to read through that so fast, didn't even pause to think about what he meant by that. Unless we're born again, unless we have the spirit of God, unless we've been, we can't see the kingdom of God. A couple verses later said that unless we're born again, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Being born again is the prerequisite for seeing and entering the kingdom of God. For living a spirit-filled life where God can establish his victory, his dominion, his authority in and through his church. Being born again is the prerequisite. It gives us the capacity to understand more. If you're born again this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the capacity to receive and understand more.
Just don't pack up too soon and go home and think that the end of the story was the resurrection. The resurrection wasn't the, the end of us. It was the inauguration of the church. It was the inauguration of great things to come. And you read through the book of Acts, your mind is blown away. In closing, beloved, I simply ask one question. What would Jesus have been doing around about this time some 2,000 years ago? Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, oh God, that you have called us into salvation. And you desire to create a people, oh God, who will be set apart in this world. A people who you will use to be fishers of men. A people you will use to establish your authority on the earth. Father, I pray for this body of believers that you, oh God, would enlarge their territory, that you would illuminate the eyes of their understanding, that they, oh God, would understand that they have the capacity for more. Help us to believe you for more. Help us to believe, oh God, that you might use us to reach our neighbor, that you might use us to reach this world. God, not in our own human strength, but in the power of your Holy Spirit. Yes, God, there's been a lot of confusion around these things and a lot of controversy, but it doesn't negate the truth, oh God, that, that, that you for 40 days gave your early followers what was needed and told them that it wasn't just for them, but it was for those who would believe through them. I pray, God, that you'll simply help us as your church to believe you for more. We thank you, oh God, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.